The scripture this morning is not only the scripture from Acts 2 about Pentecost, but uh, picking up a little further in Acts 2, the follow-up to Pentecost, beginning in verse 44 and 45. And the believers uh, were uh, together and held everything in common. They sold their possessions and they gave to any who had need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I've, I've tried this with you before, so I want to try it again. I, I want to brush up on my parenting and grandparenting skills so, since I'm going to become a grandparent this October. So here's the deal. I'm going to say to you things that my parents said to me, and I want you to fill in the blank to make sure I still got it down right. Okay? You, you'll figure this out. So, for example, I am with my uh, grandchild, and I'm uh, at the corner of a street. And we're getting ready to cross the street. And so I say to my grandchild, before we cross the street, we need to both. Yeah, okay, good. We're still on that one. Now, what about this one, though? Um, It happened when I was little. Uh, So I would have lots of food on my plate uh, that I hadn't finished. And so my mother would ask me the rhetorical question, what about all the starving children in Africa, China, India, did I get another one other than that? I don't want to be flippant because I have seen uh, some starving uh, children in Africa, but, uh, but apparently we all got raised pretty much the same way. Let's try this one. I bet this is pretty unanimous. And so my child or grandchild uh, wants something, and they demand it. So I ask them this question, what's the magic word? Please, of course. And then uh, when they receive something, I would always follow up with, now what do you say? Thank you. Thank you. We all know how to say it. And do you know when we get to Pentecost or we get to the Feast of Tabernacles or Passover, the main thing that the Jews are saying to God is thank you. I'm uh, indebted to Ryan uh, Jacobson, and who in teaching on Pentecost Shavuot this week reminded us that all the festivals are really about gratitude, about saying thank you to God. So Pesach, or what we call Passover, was a way to thank God for freedom from 430 years of slavery to the Egyptians, uh, release, redemption, all of that they thanked God for at Passover. And then in the fall, they thanked God uh, for the time when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, and they didn't run out of food, and and, uh, God traveled with them and and, uh, resided in a tent. And uh, so God was always present, and God was providing, raining down uh, uh, birds from heaven and quail as well. And so at, um, at Sukkot, or what's known as Tabernacles, we say thank you to God for your constant presence and provision. And then... Fifty days after Passover, which is where we get the Greek word Pentecost, is the festival of Shavuot, which was a way they said to God, thank you for food. Thank you for our daily bread. This was when they had taken in the whole wheat harvest, and so they they came and and brought a bread offering uh, to God. But over time, they were not only thanking God for bread, but in Jesus' day, they were thanking God for other things as well. They thanked God for the giving of the Torah. Uh, or the instruction from God, the law from God. Uh, because what happened is, after a while, the rabbis start do, started to do the math. And they realized, once we had Passover in Egypt, it was about 50 days until Moses got up on the mountain and received the Torah from God. 
and they said thank you for that. Now, what you need to understand is Christians often dismiss the Torah by calling it law. And, and we don't want more oppressive laws. We want less government, more, not more government. We have all the sort of mindset, which they would not have had. They saw the Torah as guidance. I've been a slave for 430 years. How do I know what to do? How in freedom can I live the life that God has for me? And Torah meant instructions. It was God's way of saying, look, this is how I want you to live. And if you live this way, you're going to be blessed. And the people around you will be blessed. So they were very grateful for that. In fact, they even thought of it like a wedding. Because if you've uh, ever been to a Jewish wedding, you know, they always have the, the hoopah, the, the, the covering. And so for a covering, God had the cloud over Mount Sinai. Uh, they have what's known as the ketubah, which is like the reading of the vows. We you this, that, and the other. And so for the ketubah, for the vows, uh, they would have uh, the Ten Commandments. And then, of course, they also, uh, for a, a wedding, would have uh, the ring and, or the symbol. And God gave them two symbols. One was the Sabbath. God says when you keep the Sabbath, you remember that we're married. And then the other thing was God had given them all this gold from the Egyptians. And that was a sense of uh, their ring. So they celebrated that as uh, joyfully as they do a wedding. And then by Jesus' day, in addition to the Torah and bread, they started thanking God for King David. And on Pentecost, they would celebrate that that was the day David died. So if you look at Peter's long speech at Pentecost, he'll say something about David, and that's because this is kind of David's national holiday uh, on, on Pentecost. So for all this, they were extremely um, grateful. That was their, their gratitude. And uh, Josephus tells us that about a million people would come into Jerusalem for Pentecost, which is kind of amazing. It makes me wonder if Josephus counts attendance the same way I count attendance. You know, so like when I look around this morning, I see, oh, one or two thousand, I suppose. Um, but, you know, the more that we dig into Josephus, the more we realize that really most of his, uh, his estimates have been corroborated in terms of how big things were or how deep springs were. So let's go with it. A million people. A million people rejoicing in what God had done and saying thank you. In fact, many rabbis say that Christmas and Easter for Christians doesn't compare at all with the joy that Jews feel at Pentecost as they say thank you to God. So here's what happens. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. Uh, for 40 days, Jesus has taught his disciples. He's ascended, but he said, I want you to wait here. And the disciples... They figured out that, well, coming up is Pentecost, and I bet God's going to do something really big at Pentecost. And sure enough, this is what happened. Uh, all the disciples were in the house. And the house is not like a house like you and I live in. Uh, it's more like if you're a football fan, one of the things they call one college stadium, Michigan Stadium, they call it the big house. And in the same way, the temple was called the house. So the disciples all gather in the house, and suddenly... Suddenly there's a mighty wind, and there's fire, and there's voices. Now here's what I didn't tell you. The rabbis said this, that at the very first Pentecost at Shavuot with Moses, that one of the things that happened is tongues of fire came and sat on the elders of Israel, sat on their heads. And then also when God gave the Torah to Moses, they said that God gave it in 70 languages, which is a symbolic number, which means that everybody in the world would be able to understand the instruction God is getting. 
giving. So what happens at this Pentecost? Shortly after Jesus' ascension, sure enough, the fire shows up again. Tongues of fire, this time resting on the disciples. And then the languages, we're told that each person there hears and understands the gospel in their own language. And the disciples would have figured it out. Uh Uh-oh, God is doing something really big again. And here's some of what God's doing. The first Pentecost, God had the Torah. God had uh, the guidance written on the tablets. But now at this Pentecost, the guidance gets written on our heart. And so with the Holy Spirit residing in us, we know how to interpret God's scripture. We can listen for clues about how to live our life. Another thing that happens is in the very first Pentecost, God formed a people at this wedding and said, All right, I'm the groom. You're going to be my bride. And then here at this Pentecost, God formed another group of people that we call the church. And then finally, one of the things they would have seen that was uh, also interesting was that uh, while Moses was up there at the marriage service with God, getting the Ten Commandments, down below, many people are already committing adultery. They took off their wedding rings, threw them into the fire, and a golden calf came out, and they began to worship the calf. And as punishment for that... 3,000 people died in the golden calf episode. Well, fast forward to the Pentecost in Jesus' day. Peter preaches a sermon. And how many people come to life as a result of the sermon? 3,000. It was obvious that God was doing something new and something big. Now, get ready. When God does something new and big, what do you say? Thank you. Now, here's the deal. How do you say it? You see, for us, it's like we say it with our words, and that's important. Words are important to the Jews. I mean, God created the world uh, by words. But also, Jews knew that, uh, that you also spoke with your actions. Like our phrase, action speaks louder than words. So if you want to say thank you to God, you don't just say it with your voice. You say it with your act. Uh, and so think of it this way. Uh, A few years ago, uh, there was a guy, a Christian counselor named Gary Chapman, who came up with a concept called love languages. Are you familiar with that? It'll help you in your relationship if you think about it. Uh, What Chapman said is that typically we want to give love or receive love in kind of five general ways. And one of them will be our favorite, and that's the way we'll want to receive it. And we'll also, in turn, give it that way. Uh, One of them is through physical touch. Another is through encouragement or words of affirmation. Another is just through spending quality time. Another is by bringing gifts or presents. Uh, And then another is by acts of service. And so what you see at this Pentecost is God says, we're going to have some quality time. You're going to spend the whole week in the festival with me. And God says, and, and, and we're going to hear the word of God, and, and we're going to hear those words, and you're going to affirm that I'm God, and you're even going to bring me a gift of bread to celebrate. But what God basically says to them now is, but you know what? My favorite language is acts of service. If you want to say thank you to me, if you want to tell me you love me, then you need to do something. And what God encourages them to do is to take care of people who are in need. Let's go back and look at the history. At the very first Shavuot in Leviticus, this is what God says. When you say thank you to me, he said, I want you to leave the corner of your fields so that poor people can come and pick some of the grain for themselves. 
And then in Jesus' day, this is, um, as they became a little less agrarian, this is what the rabbis said, is on the day of Pentecost, we're going to have this um, ceremony. And after the ceremony, we're going to have a big party. And when you have your party, which goes all afternoon of Pentecost and, and most of the night, I want you to invite to dinner poor people that can't afford to eat or feed themselves. On this day, you're going to invite them to this party. So God was teaching them that the way you say thank you is to take care of those in need. So what do the disciples do when the Holy Spirit comes upon them at Shavuot? How do they say thank you to God? And we read this in verse 44 and 45 of chapter 2. What they did is they sold their stuff and they gave it to people who had need. If you want to say thank you to God, the way that God wants you to say thank you is by becoming generous and sharing with other people. That's a language that God understands. That's a language that God speaks and wants us to speak. Reminds me of an old, old story. Happened in the time of Alexander the Great, you know, more than 300 years before Jesus. And there was a man who was caught deserting. And so they brought him to Alexander to see what Alexander wanted to do with this soldier, assuming that Alexander would want to kill the soldier. And so the first thing Alexander the Great says to the deserter is, Son, what's your name? And he said, uh, My name is the same as yours, sir. It's Alexander. So Alexander the Great thinks about a moment, and then this is what he says to the, the, the deserter. He says, Well, son, either change your ways or change your name. And he lets him go. In the book of Acts, the very, for the very first time, we get our name, and our name is is Christian. People who do the things that Jesus wants to do and that Jesus would do. And as we share and are generous with others, we live up to our name.